Amen. Well, good morning again. Say good morning to me again. Come on. Don't not, not out yet. I didn't get started. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 6, please. Joshua 6. We're in a series of sermons from the book of Joshua. And finally, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Somebody went to VBS. Amen. Somebody went, somebody went to Sunday school. That's probably the most popular of the stories from this great book. Joshua and Jericho, but we're going to just read a few verses, and then we'll dig into our message. Joshua chapter number 6, starting with verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Verse 2 is going to be a key verse for us this morning. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carrying trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up every man straight in. We'll talk about the triumph of Jericho. Father, we thank you that you are a God of power and might. We thank you that you are able to cause the walls of Jericho in the lives of your people to come tumbling down. You're able to give us your plan and your strategy where we can walk in your victory and we can overcome and prevail the things that would try to hinder us from entering into your best. Now, Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, The Triumph at Jericho in a series of sermons from the book of Joshua, focusing on Jericho, again, probably the most popular of all the stories from this faith-filled book. And as always, we just want to study God's Word and we want to take these principles of faith that we see and learn how to apply them to our lives and our situations. It's not so much learning about what happened thousands of years ago, but what are the principles that I can walk in today? That's why we study the Old Testament and our prayer is, Lord, help us to learn how to overcome and prevail over life's Jerichos, over those things that would try to hold me back, intimidate me, Resist me from advancing and possessing and achieving in Jesus Christ. Now, the city of Jericho was one of the largest and the leading cities of Cana, of the Promised Land. It was located right in the middle um, of the north and the south. Its location made it very strategic. Now, if Joshua takes Jericho, he divides the enemy forces so they cannot unite and fight against God's people. Joshua, he had pretty much a divide and conquer strategy that God gave him. So Jericho was very important to go down. Jericho, it really couldn't be avoided if they were going to take the land. And, and again, it, it was strong. It was shut up. It, it was very um, impressive and intimidating, yet it was a key that could not be avoided. Some things in life are strong. Some things in life are intimidating. But some things in life cannot be avoided. You have to deal with it, meet it, greet it, and defeat it. But let's remember, Jericho's got to go down. It would be nice to avoid it. It would be fun if it wasn't there. But because of its location and what it represents, we can't avoid it. So all we can do is find the plan and the promise of God for it and obey the plan, believe the promise, and watch those walls come tumbling down. Somebody say amen. The application is Christians. We understand our battles are spiritual. Our weapons are spiritual. But the same principles, these same principles of faith that Joshua used so many years ago, we can use as we face our Jerichos. For just like the nations of Cana were united against Joshua and his people, they're united against God's people attempting to keep them from their inheritance, from their blessing, from their victory. The spiritual enemies that we face, our spiritual enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, those three main enemies of the child of God, they likewise 
are constantly waging war against the Christian, trying to keep us from claiming our victory in Christ, trying to keep us from enjoying that abundant life, from growing, maturing, achieving, and being fruitful in our walk. They attempt to turn us back. They attempt to send us back into a wilderness experience of wandering out of Egypt, but not into the blessing, just kind of wandering, trying and failing. But God has something better for his people. Jericho, for us this morning, a strong area of resistance, maybe an area of weakness within that attempts to keep the Christian from obeying and advancing and growing and receiving the best. It could be an infirmity. It could be an anxiety. It could be a debt. It could be an addiction, a confusion, a temper, a fear. It could be an area of that old nature that has to be broken and overcome. It's a place that needs deliverance and defeat. It's a place that can't be avoided if you want God's best. It's a place that needs resurrection. It's a place that needs uprooting. We're thankful this morning that Jesus Christ still heals broken hearts and still sets prisoners free. We're thankful this morning that there's no Jericho of the heart that Jesus Christ cannot remedy. There's no resistance of the flesh that Jesus Christ cannot give one power to overcome. We're thankful this morning that Jesus Christ still moves mountains of opposition and casts them into the depths of the sea. We're thankful this morning that our God still makes a way even when men look at situations and say there is no way. We're thankful this morning that there is no Jericho, that the power and the might of the Lord Jesus cannot uproot and tear down and give victory to those that call on His name. Can you say amen? And whatever your area of resistance is, doesn't matter if it was in grandpa and grandma. You're a born-again believer. You're a new creature. You can have a brand new life. It doesn't matter if it's something that has tripped you up and entangled you since you were 13. I declare to you today the power of Jesus Christ can set you free from the hold of pornography, from the hold of addiction, of gambling, drugs, or alcohol. That ugly thing of unforgiveness can be ripped out of your heart and you can know the love and mercy and the grace of God. I'm here today to say Jesus Christ is alive and well. And what He did yesterday, He's doing today He's doing now, and He'll do it in your life. Somebody say amen. Oh, glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Whatever that air of resistance is, God has a plan, and God has a promise. And God has the power to uproot it, disperse it, and give you complete victory over it. Gleaning truths from the triumph at Jericho. Gleaning truths from the triumph at Jericho. Number one, the promise of victory. Concerning Jericho, the promise of victory. Take a look at verse 2. Again, that'll be our, our main verse. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. This is beautiful, the promise of victory. This whole amazing, powerful, moving story begins with a promise. Begins with a promise. The promise is the Lord speaks to Joshua and pretty much says, son, you're going to win. You're going to be victorious in this endeavor. It's a beautiful word. What a word we have. But even before the first shot is fired, even before you start, you can be assured of victory through Jesus Christ. That's the kind of God we serve. And the word, the word, the word is a good place to start. When I'm facing my Jericho, when I'm facing that, that enemy, that resistance, that opposition, what does Father say about this? What is the Almighty decreed about this situation? Before I get overwhelmed by the size and the intimidation of what I'm facing, let me go to the B-I-B-L-E and let me hear what Father has decreed and what Jesus has spoken over this situation. I choose to believe God. I make a choice to trust His Word. For God is not a man that He could lie or the Son of Man that He's going to waver and change His mind. If He said it, He'll do it. If He spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. So before I get overwhelmed with the what-ifs and the worst-case scenario, 
scenarios. I'm going to run and run. And I'm going to find my Bible. And I'm going to say, Father, here's the situation. But I know you've got a word about it. I know you have a word concerning it. Let me hear what heaven has to say. For I choose to believe God. I choose to trust the Almighty. God has a promise with your name written on it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Before the battle ever begins, God lets you know, in Jesus you have the victory. So just advance with confidence, standing on the certainty of God's promise and God's character and God's power. Believing that word and uh, expecting that fulfillment and receiving the grace that comes to him that believes. Purposing in our hearts to stand firm on what God has said and prevailing by faith over all that would try to resist our advance in our walk of faith. As believers, we have promises, beautiful, precious promises they're described as. We have promises just like Joshua did. God has a promise and a promise is for your present situation, for your circumstance that you're facing. And it's the promises of God that, that comfort us in the midst of battle. They give us the assurance that victory is coming and God, in fact, is working. They encourage faith to keep believing and keep striving. They steer our faith down the right direction. They come, um, they, they clear thinking so we're not overwhelmed by the confusion of the enemy's intimidations and his lies that brings peace to our heart. Even in the midst of the storm, the Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. The Bible says that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. So let us Live life with that assurance. Let us live life with the assurance that Jesus has won the victory and we are privileged to walk and join and partake of His triumph. We belong to Him. We are not our own. We've been purchased by that precious blood. We're not part of that old family. We're not part of that old race. We have been grafted into a new race, into a new nature. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And His triumph is ours to enjoy and ours to partake in. Blessed be His name. Therefore, we can clearly say, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to praise God this morning that it is settled. I'm not waiting for victory. It's done. Jesus said it is finished. On the third day He arose. We're not looking for it. We're fighting from that place of victory. Praise God. The Almighty has decreed from heaven. It is settled. It is settled. If God before us, if God before the Christian, then who can be against us? If God before us, let the church rejoice and let the demons tremble and let the walls of Jericho get ready to come crash down. If God be for you, somebody say me. If God be for me, then what habit or fear, what storm or setback can stand against us and hinder us from rising up and marching forward in Jesus Christ? If God be for us, then what trial or temptation, what past failure or present situation can keep us down when God is lifting us and carrying us onward in Christ? Oh, friend of God be for us, hell can't be against us. It is written, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. It is written, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It is written, he that has began a good work in me. Someone say in me. He shall complete that work no matter what you're going through. If you're a child of God and you're committed to stick with Jesus, He's going to bring you through. It might look bad, but it's not over yet. The doctor might have given you a bad report. Dr. Jesus is going to give you a good report. You're going to make it. He's going to bring you through. And victory belongs to the child of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The victory. Our victory. It, it all begins with a promise. Salvation started with a promise. John 3.16, that's a promise. God said, believe. God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. Those who believes shall not perish, 
Have eternal life. It's done. Woo! Have eternal life. Might look like I just got shot out of a cannon. Got eternal life. Amen. I'm saved. Redeemed. Washed. Promise of God. It is done. See, it is done. Hallelujah. Going to walk in the victory? Promise. All things pertaining to life and godliness. Amen. Put on that armor. Promise. Promise. Starts with a promise. Go forward with a promise. One glad morning. Mm-mm-mm. Going to cross that finish line. See Jesus face to face with a promise. Oh, Lord. Going to see him and be like him. Promise. Promise of God. Promise of God. That verse 2. See, I have. Now, now, some Christians I know, I don't see anything. God wants us to be realists, doesn't he? No, God wants you to believe his book. Woo, faith gets challenged, don't it? It's easier to stick with doubt. Because doubt appeals to the flesh, and we got a lot of flesh to appeal to. Now think about it now. Joshua, see, I have delivered. Joshua looks out. I don't see anything. Nothing's changed. Now you think about this. Hey, faith. Faith's going to believe God. Faith heard from God. I'm not talking about a word from man. You, you can't trust what man says. That's a whole other story right there, brother. You can't even trust your own self. But sometimes we don't, you know, we, we get fooled. But oh, when God talks. Come on, say amen. Oh, that's why I'm trying to get you to love that Bible. Eat that Bible. Feed on that Bible. Oh, no, don't, don't worry about man. Don't worry about them, some of them preachers you hear. But when you get to the book, come on, say amen. When you get to that Bible, eat that Bible, love that Bible, feed on that Bible, hide it in your heart, speak it with your mouth, let it renew your mind day in and day out. It is your bread. It is your honey. And when God says something, go ahead and lean on it. Go ahead and say, thank you, Lord. Oh, glory be to God. Uh, pastor says something off the top of his head, you better prove it. You better find out some information about it. Investigate it. But when God says it, just jump up and down, shout, say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for you can't lie. He can't lie and he can do whatever he says he will do. See, we struggle with that as humans. Sometimes, you know, even if we do tell the truth, sometimes we can't bring to pass what we thought we could. You ever said you'd do something and you found out you couldn't do it? Of course you have. Y'all, don't lie in church. That's not good. Sure you have. You meant well. You didn't mean that. You didn't mean to. You didn't mean it. You thought that money would be there. No, sorry, I can't, can't help you with that. You thought, you see what I mean? But when the Lord gives a promise, oh, he can, he can fulfill what he says, brother. Amen? Ain't nothing going to change. God never going to come and say, well, you know, when I promised you that back, back there in Deuteronomy, well, things have changed since then, and things aren't what they used to be, and, you know, the stock market went down. No, no, God never going to tell you, oh, uh-uh. God's going to say, do you believe my word, son? You got it. Go ahead and shout the praise. Whew. You have a promise not from man but from God, and God encourages us to see the opposition and the situation through the promise, seeing the situation. Through the eye of faith. Now this is important. Very important because the enemy will challenge your victory. The enemy will challenge your victory. At one time the enemy didn't want you saved. But now you're saved. But now he don't want you blessed. He doesn't want you productive. He doesn't want you active in the kingdom. He doesn't want you advancing and overcoming and living that fruitful, healthy, spiritually healthy life. What do we like to say? The devil, he wants you broke, busted, and disgusted. Come on, say amen. Backsliding every other day. Oh, some every other week. No, no, no. God has a better plan for his people. How many know that? Amen? Oh, God has something better for God. God says, I have. I have. It's already done. I have given. Not I'm going to. If you're a good boy, not, 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 not I might. I'm still thinking, he said, I have given. But the first thing, let's be honest now, first God says, I have. First thing the natural eye sees, Jericho is tightly shut up. First thing the natural mind thinks, man, that's a pretty strong citadel. That's quite a fortress. Not a battering ram in sight. I don't know what we're going to do with all this, these trumpets God wants us to blow. We need a battering ram, man. We, 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 need, we need a catapult. Do something. That Jericho looks pretty mighty, and he wants us to have the, the brass section go out it. Oh, Lord. I hear you all talking sometimes. God give a promise, but, 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 but the thing's still sore. But, but, but it's still, well, I'm just telling you, if Joshua received from God a promise, and God said it's done. But in the natural, all he's looking at is a strong, mighty fortress. 
He looks around. We got no tanks, no bazookas. All we have is God's going to tell us to blow our horn. Can you imagine it? Go ahead, David, and the walls are going to come down. Oh, now God's getting even crazier. Can you imagine that? First he says it's done. Then he says all we got to do is walk around a little bit, uh, acting like Pentecostals, but except we're quiet. But we're going to uh, walk around, and, and then we're going to, we're going to play the, the, you know, the, the Tijuana brass there, going to pray their song, and, and then, hallelujah, we're going to give a shout, a little Jericho jerk, a Pentecostal spasm, and the walls are coming tumbling down. God does things strange, don't he? I know, Peter, you fished all night and you're a professional and you were trained all your life to fish here, but I'm telling you, throw that net out in the place you're not supposed to throw it at the wrong time. After you fished all night, you get the biggest catch you ever got. Oh, Lord, I'm tired. I'm weary. I feel like a fool all night, but because Jesus, because you said so, I'm going to throw it out one more time. Glory be to God. I'm just trying to tell you, if He said so, believe it, obey it, expect it, and do it. Somebody say amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Faith will be challenged. But God has given us his good promises to believe, to obey, and to battle with. We thank God for the promises of victory. Whatever you're facing, if you're not saved this morning, there's a promise and you can get saved. There's a promise that you can believe and receive salvation, eternal life. In Jesus Christ. If you're in confusion, there's a promise for your wisdom. If you're battling and struggling, there's a promise for your deliverance. If you're weak and weary, there's a promise for your refreshing. There's a promise for your comfort. There's a promise for your prosperity. Oh, my. Thank God for the promise of victory. But now we see that even with a promise, there's still a plan. We have to follow. God has a plan. You know, men have plans. Men have plans, and some of their plans work better than others. But the plans of God are good, and the plans of God are trustworthy. Plans of men. One person wrote, I had a note the other day from my brother-in-law. He's in the catering business, and the business is doing great. He says, business is terrific. It's so good, in fact, um, that I now have enough money to, to last me the rest of my life. As long as I die by next Tuesday. <laughs> the best laid plans of men, you know what I'm saying? But God's plans will succeed. God's plans might be uncomfortable, unusual. They might be, you know, unpopular, but God's plans will bring forth God's blessing. In God's will. And you can trust God's plan. Can you say amen? Oh, the plans of God. The promise. Now, this is important for us charismatic people. The promise doesn't negate the plan. A lot of people, they do their Pentecostal jump. Is I got a promise. Woo! Did you hear? Thus saith the Lord. It's going to happen. And they go excited. Don't stop there. The, the promise is only part one. Obeying the plan is part two. You don't obey that plan, you, you, that promise is just going to fly off. Someone else is going to obey that promise. See, God said, I have given. Woo, glory be to God. But now, here's the plan, and you've got to obey it. Oh, that's where our faith gets challenged, doesn't it? We hear the promise of forgiveness, but I don't want to get out of my relationship that's in sin. We hear the promise of deliverance, but I don't want to put that bottle away. And start living holy like God wants me. Oh, come on, say amen. It's not because God doesn't have a promise, nor does God has all the power. It's men won't submit to God's plan. Oh, Jesus. The promise does not negate the plan. And the plan must have our cooperation, our participation, if it's to be fulfilled. The promise of victory, the plan of victory. You see, in verses 3 through 5, he gives the plan. And God gives Joshua a strange plan. Strange plan. Like we said, no, no bazookas, no battering rams, no catapults. He says, you're going to walk around, and you're going to be quiet for a while. You're going to shout. You're going to play the trumpet. And the walls are going to fall magically. Can you imagine that? Boom. Now, Joshua believed. I'm going to believe the promise. I'm going to obey the plan. If the plan doesn't make sense, I'm going to obey the plan. 
It's a strange plan, but we have to remember as we walk with God that God's strategies might be different than ours, but His wisdom is far above ours. His ways are far above ours. And God promises victory, then gives a curious strategy. And this is where we struggle. Come on. This is where we struggle as human beings. This is where the young Christian, the backslider that tries to get back, this is where they struggle. And we're going to touch on this, so stick with me. Dr. Boyce writes concerning this story, I believe the deepest theological message of this story is that God is teaching us to trust Him, obey Him, instead of using our own cleverness. I want God's promise, but I want it my way. I want God's blessing, but I want it my... There's not Burger King. Come on. Remember Burger King? Have it your way? Well, God don't do that. God said, no, no, if you want it, you got to do it my way. But let's be honest. Come on, many hear the good news. Anybody remember Naaman? Who remembers Naaman? Come on, all you Sunday school teachers. And Naaman, and the right. Naaman, he, he, he knew he needed God. And he even sought God. But then he resisted and rejected God. He knew he needed God. He wanted the answer that only God could give. He liked the promise of God. He did not like the plan of God. We see a lot of people like that, don't we? I want God to heal my marriage and show up to church and consecrate that thing to God and let it begin to heal. Come on, say amen. I want to be free of this thing. Well, start taking the drastic steps. Jesus said, cut it off. Start taking the drastic steps that are needed to walk in that victory and God will honor your faith and you do your part and God will do his. So many, I, I, I don't like having these inner struggles. Well, you're unwilling to forgive the husband for what he did seven years ago. And until you get rid of that unforgiving spirit, you're always going to struggle. Didn't get a lot of amens there, but it's in the book too. Oh, see where we're getting at now? You see where we're at? That's why you need to be at an altar. Because the carnal nature doesn't want to submit to the ways of God. That's why you need to find a place say, God, in my natural man, I resist this. I, I go against this. But I know this is the right thing. Help me to obey you. Stick with me. Often the new or young Christian The backslider that wants to get things straight, I'll tag him along with this group. Often, the new and the young Christian learning about the walk of faith, they find the Bible way a challenge. In some ways, it's uncomfortable, and it is on the old nature. On some ways, it's confusing. On some ways, we find it demanding in a culture that is basically pacified, It made the little angels out of everyone. What do they call them? Whatever, the little stars. But the Bible, back up, and that young Christian learning how to walk with Christ, they'll find the commands and the principles, the conditions for that victory and that abundant life to to be straining and, and uncomfortable. Being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, is always demanding on our human will and on our old carnal nature. That flesh and spirit fighting constantly. They're at war with one another. So the rest of our days, there's always going to be that battle. Now, if you walk with them long enough, you put that old thing to death enough to walk in the spirit and to develop your spirit, man, till you've learned to walk in love and walk in peace and obey God, even when he tells you to do things that seem crazy. Can you think of the things you do now, saints, some of the older ones? Think of some of the things you do now without even thinking about it. Twenty-five years ago, it wasn't that easy to do that, but you've walked with God so long, now you've come to a place of faith and a place of obedience where you're learning to walk in the spirit. When you're new in God and you're young or you're a backslider trying to get back on track... We find walking with the Word will wrestle against my old nature. My old will has been in charge for a long time. He doesn't want to forgive when he don't want to forgive. He doesn't want to be consistent when he'd rather be fishing. He doesn't want to be doing all the... He don't want to pray if he can watch the ball. He don't want that. And what we find within is a battle. Paul says this old nature and that new nature are in conflict with one another. And the new believer finds this struggle. Like a mentor of mine used to say when he would testify about um, in his early, his late teens, when he was saved, yet he was running from the call of God, and he would say, God, I don't mind you saving me. Just don't mess with my life. 
And you know, friends, I, I, that, that describes more Christians than we'd like to admit. We can't say amen, say ouch, but go ahead and say something. You know that right. Isn't that right? I don't, I don't want to go to hell, Lord. I know you're the way. I, 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 save me, Lord, but please don't tell me what to do. I heard that groan back there. Oh, Lord. But God, but God, but God had a plan for Jericho. The promise came with a plan. And only as the plan was carried out, the promise was fulfilled. Listen, friends, young believer, don't be afraid to follow God's plan. Don't be afraid to obey God's word. Do it God's way. And in the end, you'll never regret obeying the Lord. I'm going to say it again. On that day, there'll be many Christians that regretted certain things. But when you stand before the Lord, you will never regret obeying His voice and following His plan and giving Him first place in your life. There will be times walking with God will be uncomfortable, unpopular. It might seem to cost us in the natural. It might be uncomfortable in the natural. But I want you to know, when you stand before Him a hundred thousand years from today, you'll never regret putting Jesus first and following His plan and doing it His way. Can you say Amen. Again, it might seem uncomfortable in the natural, in the old nature. It might seem demanding on our own will. It might not make sense to our logic and our natural senses. But if we want God's best, we've got to submit to God's plan. Because God has a plan for us. Yes, God had a plan for Joshua. But our cooperation and participation, submission to the plan, is essential if we're going to see it work in our lives. God's leading. Even when God leads us, it can test us, it can stretch our faith. But as we submit to that and learn to obey that, we'll learn how to walk in His fuller measure of eternal blessing than we've ever dreamed. God has a plan. Earlier this week, I was reading about God's leadings, and God's leadings can try a person. I came across this story. A husband and wife were discussing old times when the husband said, My dear, I've taken you safely over all the rough spots of life. And the wife replied, Yes, dear, and I don't think you've missed a one of them. <laughs> now, now, remember, ladies. Even, even the Lord's leading will, will try you at times, so don't be so hard on the old guy. Amen, amen, amen. But God's plan, God's plan, God's plan will demand that Joe's will be surrendered at Calvary. God's plan will demand that Joe obey something that might not seem to make sense or feel right on the inside. I don't want to praise him when it hurts. I don't want to give when I'm broke. I don't want to forgive when someone else is ugly. But God says, if you want my blessing, you want my promise, walk in my plan. If you want Jericho to come down, then follow my steps and obey my command. God has a plan. And as we've talked to the young believers that have to learn how to walk by faith, have to learn how to trust God, have to really learn that awkward stage of learning how to live this life as we're led of the Word and the Spirit of God in the same way. I remind the faithful ones this morning, we shift gears there, to the faithful ones that understand this walk of faith, that have given themselves to picking up their cross and following Christ. Well, faithful one, you sleep well tonight because God has a plan. You sleep real good tonight because God has a plan and God is working His plan in your life. And the enemy might lie to you. That devil's a liar. He might say there's nothing happening. doesn't seem like anything's working or anything's going on. But understand, it's your obedience that releases God's power. It's your trust and obedience that releases the working of God in your life. I want someone to know this morning, God is working. God is working. He's working His plan in your life. So just get ready. Keep believing. Continue obeying. The walls of Jericho are getting ready to crumble down. Now I've 
shifted to the faithful ones. Faithful ones, and you're walking in it. You've been forgiving. You've been walking by faith. You've been praising Him, and the doctor has given you seven, eighteen bad reports in a row, but your joy cannot be rocked. Your song cannot be stolen. To you, we declare today, God has a plan, and as you obey Him, He's working His plan. You might not see it. You might not feel it, but trust in the Lord. Know that your God goes before you. Know that He holds you in the palm of His hand. He's working out His plan. Even if you can't perceive it, by faith lay hold of it as you obey the Lord. You can trust that God is working in your life. Oh, come on, say amen. Somebody says, but oh, pastor, it, it don't look like anything's happening. It doesn't seem it. It doesn't feel it. Hang on, hang on. We just had communion. This is communion Sunday. So let us all be reminded. Let us all be reminded and never forget of the strangest strategy, the most unlikely plan on heaven or on earth. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. It didn't seem like anything. We shout about it. We rejoice about it. But the cross was an instrument of execution. The cross was an instrument of capital punishment. And no one would look at that and say, oh, God's doing something. We looked at it like the rest. The religious leaders didn't see it. The, um, the demons didn't see it. The disciples didn't see it. But God was working His plan. The cross of Calvary, it did not seem like the way to conquer death, hell, and the grave. It didn't seem like the way to rescue lost, suffering humanity. It did didn't seem like God was anywhere in it, but it was God's plan being carried out by God's Son to bring a salvation to you, a salvation to me. So if you're looking at your life and you're wondering, what is God doing? Be reminded of Calvary. And you remember that God often uses strange strategies and plans that are beyond our understanding to do His will, to unfold His plan, and to give us the victory. So if you're walking with God today, and maybe you're getting tempted to give in. Don't you dare give in. Don't you dare go back. You keep trusting God. You keep praising God. You keep standing on God. I know it seems like a long time. I know it seems like hell is mocking and jeering. And that unbelieving world is saying, where is your God now? But I want you to know Jesus is working on your behalf. So keep loving Him. Keep singing the praises. Keep marching by faith. He's standing on the Word. Your promise is closer than when you first believed. God has a plan. We look at Calvary now. We cry and get a tear in our eye. They looked at it then as the end. They saw it as defeat. Because they could not perceive the working of God. I'm here to say sometimes God works in ways we don't grasp. And many people flee. And they allow confusion. It caused them to backslide. But when you walk with God and you're building on that word, you can trust Him and stand firm with Him. God has a plan. God has a plan for your situation. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan concerning salvation. God wants you saved. If you're here today, I want you to know God loves you. Jesus died for you. He's willing to save you. God's plan for your soul is that you come to Christ, that you receive the forgiveness of sins. You allow Him to make you a new creature. God has a plan for you. It's not a plan to reject you, but it's a plan to accept you. It's not a plan to avoid you, but it's a plan to embrace you. God has a plan for you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb, and He decreed that His Son would die on a cross for your sins to reconcile you and bring you back to your Creator. God has a plan for you. It doesn't matter how many times you've sinned or fallen away or messed up. It doesn't matter how many times you shake in your fist. If you'll come to Jesus, He'll receive you and He'll embrace you. He'll accept you. He'll wash you with His precious blood and He'll put within you His own Holy Spirit and make you a new creature. God has a plan for your eternity. It's that you be saved and come to salvation. But don't stop there. God has a plan for your sanctification. Once you say yes to Jesus, He has a plan for your victory. He has a plan 
for your maturity. God has a plan. And it's not a plan of being a weak believer, but being a triumphant believer. Being an overcoming believer. Being a more than conqueror believer. God has a plan for you. It's that you can overcome every ungodly habit, everything that would tear you down, and walk in the victory that God has for your life. Somebody say amen. God has a plan for you. It's a plan to save you and a plan to sanctify you. God's got a plan for your service. If you're within the sound of my voice, the Lord hath need of thee. He saved you that He might use you. He has a destiny for your life, a purpose for your life, and God is asking you not to hold back any longer, but to give God your total obedience, your total consecration. Raise up your hands and say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'm not going to reject or resist anymore. I give myself to the Master's hand. Use me, because God has a plan for your usefulness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless His name. God has a plan. No, no, no. He's not a God out there somewhere just watching things happen. You don't got to be tuned into Fox or whatever to see God. God is at work in the earth. God is at work in our lives. He's not a God out there somewhere. He's a God that has a desire for your life. Knew you before you were. Can you imagine that? Before your daddy went to your mama, God knew you. Woo! What a God this is. But his knowing is not just a knowing of the brain. His is a knowing of the heart. He knew us with affection. He knew us with an intimacy. Woo! God knows you intimately. My goodness. Oh, isn't that wonderful? He knows me, and he still likes me. Ooh, that's pretty good. I know when people like me don't know me. I can understand that, but my God, God knows everything about us. And he still loves us and likes us too. Oh, God's got a plan. If you're not saved, God wants you saved. If you don't know forgiveness through Jesus, he wants you to receive that forgiveness. There is no other way. But don't stop there. God has a plan for your salvation, your sanctification, your victory. That once you become a Christian, you, you, there's no such thing as just a lukewarm. You can be on fire. You can be a strong, consistent, healthy Christian. God will help you to do so. The same spirit that raised Jesus, he'll put in you. He'll give you the power to live this life. It's not up to you to grind it out. Some say, I get saved, but I, I just can't grind it out. Nothing about grinding it out. God's going to put his spirit in you, and God's going to help you live it out. Can you say amen? So you can overcome those things. And what happened if I fail? Well, get back up and join the rest of us that fail. Come on, get up. Get back in there. Come on, say amen. God has a plan to save you, sanctify you. He's got a plan for your service. God has something for you to do. He's got lives for you to touch. All he needs is our surrender. And all he needs is us to say, here I am, Lord. Use me, send me. My years here on this earth are only so long. But while I got them, Lord, use me as you desire. Thank you for that. I hold back nothing. I no longer hold back. But I offer myself. Things of this world don't matter so much. But oh, that God, you would use me for your glory. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Say not in your heart, would God use me? Doesn't he know my secrets? Doesn't he know my hidden faults and failures? Doesn't he know what others have done and said? Say not in your heart, will God use me? But know in your heart that this great God, he'll use you. He's called you. He's desired you. In fact, he has selected you for a plan and a purpose in the earth. 
And he sees not the frailty nor the faults. He sees not the stumbles and the weaknesses and the shames. For the blood of his son has washed you and cleansed you and covered you. He sees them no more. But he looks at your life and he sees what you shall be, what you can be. When you come to him and submit to him and allow him his free reign in your life. Don't say in your heart, would God use me? But know that you know that God desires, God longs, God is very willing to use your life mightily. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, whenever you feel unworthy, that's the devil. God, don't do that. God lets us feel unworthy before we get saved to get us saved, to feel us in our own we're unworthy. But then once you get saved, oh, no. Then he sees the blood. He sees the blood. Amen. Don't listen to that lying devil. You see, he couldn't keep you from salvation. Now he wants to keep you so guilt-ridden and feeling like, you know, you're a nobody that you won't step out and believe God. God says, I'll use your life. All you got to do is give it to me. Just give it to me. But you don't understand. God says, I don't care what happened when you were 25. I don't care what happened. I'm calling you. I'm desiring you. And I'll use you if you let me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to finish this up. I'm going to finish it up. Ready? Principles of victory. Principles of victory. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. By faith, the walls of Jericho. Faith is very simply we hear God's word, we read God's word, we believe it, we trust it, we obey it. Regardless of circumstances or consequences. That's faith. Faith is in the word. Hear the word, receive the word. Obey the word. Trust the word. Obedience brings the victory. You know, they could have blowed those horns until they hyperventilated. It wasn't the horns. Amen. They could have marched around until they created the Grand Canyon of the Middle East. But it wasn't in the march, was it? It was in believing God's promise and obeying God's plan. That's what brought by faith the walls. Obeying God, believing God, and walking. And I don't have time to go through this. you got the scriptures there. You can look at it. The obedience of faith. Then the silence of faith. Silence of faith. We can obey God and not grumble as we're going through that process of obedience. The silence of faith. We can quiet ourselves down and hear and get clear direction of faith. Amen? The silence of faith. Submitting and following. Being still and knowing that He is God. Silence of faith and the patience of faith. Patience of faith. God could knock those walls down the first day, amen? But there was lessons to be learned, and there was character to be developed. And so sometimes God, faith and patience, because God is a timing, and God, His delays are not His denials, they're developments. Patience, patience. Sometimes we throw off patience and we miss the blessing. We throw off patience and we, we fail for the real victory. The patience of God. And then finally, the shout of faith. The shout of faith. Before they saw anything, God said, shout. And God says to us, do you believe me enough to shout before you see the answer? If you believe, then praise me before you see the answer. Do you believe I'm coming through? Then praise me and declare it and rejoice before me before you feel a thing, before you see a thing. That's the shout of faith. It wasn't after the walls came down they shouted, but before they saw any change. God said, now, if you really believe me, go ahead and shout. And when they shouted, the walls came down. Don't wait till after the blessing before you start praising them. You'll wait longer than you want to wait. Amen? Go ahead and praise them from the very beginning by faith. It'll quicken it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. We're going to open the altars. You need to make a fresh surrender to God. Do so. If you're facing a Jericho and you just need to come and pray, Lord. Make sure you're on the right track. Make sure you're in His plan. Make sure you're in step with Him. Then do so. If you're here today and you just need to get your heart right with the Lord, 
whether you've never said yes to Christ or maybe you've drifted, well, don't, don't leave. Get things right with God. He's calling you. He's desiring you. Come and let someone pray with you. Believe the promise of salvation. Receive what you only Christ can give. You're here and you need prayer. We'll pray for you. We'll believe God. If you're here today, and it's been a while since you just offered yourself afresh as a living sacrifice, and before you go, would you just say, Lord, I've been letting the business of life get the best of me, or maybe I've just been getting selfish, but Lord, I, I want to no longer hold back in my service. But I want to offer myself, Lord, you've got a plan for my usefulness. And I know I have my part to cooperate, to submit. Here I am, Lord. Whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it, Lord. I don't want to hold back any longer. And wait on God. and Let God touch you. Let God minister to your heart. Stand with me, please, as we pray our final prayer. Sing our final song and open the altar. Encourage those that need that touch, those that need to respond. There's nothing more important than responding to the voice of God. We pray, Father God, we thank you for these spiritual truths and how we can walk in them today. We thank you, O God, that you haven't changed, that you're still able to cause walls of fear and phobia, walls of sickness and disease, walls of addiction, walls of confusion to come tumbling down. We pray, Father, do it today. Oh, God, we pray as your people look to you and call on your name, as they begin to praise you before the answer, as they begin just to bless you and honor you, Before they see a thing, oh God, let your sovereign supernatural power be released. Begin to work in hearts. There are people here today, oh God, that need to make a fresh surrender. Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to them. Holy Spirit, draw them. Holy Spirit, give them the grace they need to respond. That they would not forfeit their divine call. That they would not bury their heavenly purpose. They'd position themselves with yielded lives and surrendered hearts that you might pick them up and use them in fruitful and blessed ways. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, begin to uproot to dissolve, to disperse the enemies that have a hold, a deception, and affliction on your people. Father, in the name of Jesus, let power flow mightily. Let your power work thoroughly as we praise you and call on your name. Father, let your power flow. Let that addiction break. Let that food addiction, that food thing go in Jesus' name. That food thing go. In Jesus' name. Oh, God. As they draw near to you, Father, draw near to them. Release your power and work your wonders. In Jesus' name, and all God's people shout. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. If you need God, come, respond, and let God work in your life.